You can be seated today. Thank you so much for being here. We want to welcome our Facebook audience as well as they uh, come in and are part of this. And again, we're so thrilled just to be able to provide that uh, online as well as a, uh, as a live online service as well. And we want to invite you back uh, this Wednesday night is our night of worship. If you've never experienced one of our, uh, our evenings of worship, uh, we really want you to come back and, and experience that. It's not only a great time of focused prayer that we do as a body, but also uh, we have a, a great deal more worship that we get to experience. So if you enjoy uh, those, those times of worship but as we do that at the beginning of our services, we want to invite you back and make sure that you're here with us this upcoming Wednesday. Today's a weighty subject that I'm going to be speaking about. Thought about it as, as I've gone throughout the whole week and thinking about this. I'm known around here as the walking fiesta. That's right, the party of one at, at any given time. That is kind of who I am. And, uh, but, but this is a weighty subject. No jokes today, no starting out with different stuff. And we're doing this on Fall Festival Day as well, which is one of our biggest community outreaches that we do. But this is a weighty subject that we deal with today. And I simply want God's Word to speak for itself because we've never in my lifetime been in a more contentious time politically than what we're walking in right now. Would you agree? We're there. And, and I've never felt the anxiety, not only in our political nature, but also in our, our establishment of relationships with authority, with our police departments, as we've had issues in Dallas and in Fort Worth, very significant issues and community um, protests that come about as a result of those very harmful acts, and yet it reflects upon a police department which in large and uh, in, in so much of everything that they do is to absolutely serve and protect those of us in this community, amen? And we want to back and support them, and yet, yet our communities are at this almost breaking point to a huge degree that we sense in our society. And this passage speaks intently to that type of a culture. And it speaks directly to what is going on even now. It is so appropriate and it is so realistic to our society just like it was nearly 2,000 years ago when Peter is writing it to the audience that we see in 1 Peter. I want to thank Bart Howe for leaving me this particular passage today. I'm going to leave him this issue as it relates to the home, and the word is submission. It's a dirty word in our culture. It is a word that we don't like. It's a word that we don't often understand. And we're going to talk about it today. We're not going to ignore it. We're going to see what God says about it. We're going to obey what he talks about. And we're going, to, we're going to look at it from his perspective. So let's get into it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. And it says this, For the Lord's sake. That's what we do today, amen? We do everything we do today for the Lord's sake. 
you chose to not stay in bed, but to get up and come to worship or to get up out of bed or maybe in bed and watch worship, whatever you're doing this morning. But we choose to do that for the Lord's sake. So what do we do for the Lord's sake? Submit to all human authority. And I know that when I read it, there is so that just wells up to say, you're not going to tell me what to do. That's what our whole culture lives out. Submit to all human authority. Whether the king as head of the state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will. Have you ever asked that question, what is God's will? That's, what, that's a question everybody wants to know. What is God's will for me in, my, in this situation? Well, as you're waiting for what God's will is in the specific circumstances of your life and my life, you, got, you go to God's word, and any time it says, this is God's will, you keep obeying that until you know the specifics of his will in your specific circumstances. So what is God's will? It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. We are all called to submit to someone. And what Peter is saying is, right here, he is telling us that you and I are God's slaves. Then when we don't feel like we are called to any other authority, we are, think about this, and we think about this this idea of rebels, I brought to you an understanding of the greatest understanding, I believe, of submission in what we see in the Trinity itself, that God the Father submits. He is subject to the Son and the Spirit. He willingly acquiesces to what the Son and the Spirit desire, that Jesus on the cross willingly submitted to the desires of the Father and the work of the Spirit in his life. And then today, the Father and the Son both submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in you and I. We see in the Trinity a common unity of the understanding of God submitting to himself in a community that we call the Trinity. There is no more beautiful expression of this idea of submission. But we need to understand that the people to whom this was written... That although we are rebels, the people to whom it is written are living under the tyranny of a ruler named Nero. Nero is the individual who literally put Christians, impaled them on poles, and put them on the roads to Rome. You've heard of the word Roman candle. That was the life of a Christian being lit on fire to light the streets of Rome. Nero was a crazed emperor. He blamed Christians for the fires uh, that had been set to Rome and therefore made them and us scapegoats of all the things that were the bad things were happening in Rome. And it was Nero who took the Christians' lives and put them in the amphitheater or in the arena with the gladiators and to be torn apart by animals. And it was to this very king this emperor that Peter writes, honor and respect the king. And we think in our world, we're in political difficulty. 
These Christians knew what that kind of political difficulty and what that suffering actually was going to be. But everything within our substance, if that were happening to us today, and in other parts of the world, it is. Our first inclination as Americans, as Texans, would be to fight, fight, fight. That's what we would say and what we would do. But what God has called us to is submit to all human authority. What in the world is Peter saying? I want us to deal and to talk about this area of submission. And I want to illustrate it as I've done before, but I want to use this physical illustration. I'm going to ask Casey and Danny and Amos to come up on stage. And up here, you're going to see, you're going to see an illustration of authority. All human authority as we see these umbrellas. Do you have that, Alyssa? Thank you. All right. So the first umbrella that we see is God. God extends his flow. The word is, in submission, is hypotasso, the Greek word. And what it simply means is God provides an order for our life. Now, all the rain that you see pouring out over these umbrellas, those are all the circumstances of your life that are available out in this culture. Some are good things, but most of them are evil things that are going to happen in our culture. And we have God's authority over our lives. Underneath God's authority, we have the authority of government that Peter is going to be talking about. We are just a few weeks away from Veterans Day. We have so many of our military represented in our service today and and also in all of our services. And so our government and those who are agents of that government are also authorities over us. And then we have the church. The church is a spiritual authority. And then we have the home represented by this umbrella today. There we go. And we have our little family, Danny, Casey, and Amos Boland. There they go. Give them a hand today, all right? So, and now we begin the rain. The rain that came earlier this week is now coming. There it is. The rain has arrived, and it flows over, and yet we are underneath the order of God's direction in our life. And when we are under God's authority... He is protecting us from the rain. He is protecting us from the issue. And as as long as our family is underneath God's authority, then they are protected as believers in Jesus Christ, no matter what might occur and what might happen to them because they're underneath God's authority. Now, let's assume that our government asked our Christian family to worship some other deity, and they were going to proclaim this as a rule or a right that they, the only way that they were going to get sustenance, that they were going to to live is to, if they were to worship some other God than what we know is true, that he is true to worship. What should our family do? Should they stay under the umbrella of government? No. Come on, people. You got to participate with this. All right. If, if our government asked them to worship another God, should they stay under government? No, they should not. They should step out. So come out, family. Come out from under. No, no. Come on, Casey. You have to stay with Danny. All right. <clears throat> come on, Casey. That's next week. Bart has to deal. Bart has to deal with that submission with you, Casey. That's what he gets to deal with next week. All right. So they would stay underneath God's authority, but government would move somewhere else because They are asking us to do something that's not right. Now, what if the family 
underneath Danny and Casey's authority. By the way, in the home, there is mutual submission. I'm sure Bart will deal with that as well next week. But let's say that as they're dealing with this in the home, that Danny and Casey, now, now I'll step out, bring your authority out here, Danny, okay. That Danny and Casey tell Amos that he should rob a bank. Do you want to rob a bank, Amos? No, that's a bad thing. All right, so Amos, what you should do is come out over here. You need to stay underneath God's authority and not do what mom and dad are doing because they're robbing a bank. They're bad people. (laughs) Tell them how bad they are, Amos. No, but mom and dad would never rob a bank, would they? No, so Amos can stay underneath the authority of mom and dad. See, there you go. Clap for them today. You see, God's authority provides that hypotasso is God's order. There's an order that God has designed all humanity, and it flows through an understanding of authority. Thank you guys so much. You did a great job. All right. Now, some of you are more upset that I opened an umbrella inside of a room, all right, and subjected them to the uh, superstition of those things that are going to be happening. So, there's an order to authority. There's an order to this understanding of submission. And so what we need to understand is as we walk through this today, we're trying to, to gain God's understanding of this. And here's what we have to ask. Is our government, are our employers, are they always worthy of our submission? And the answer is no. They're not always worthy of those things. Our government, the way that it is right now, I, I, it it almost all sickens me as to how things sometimes operate. And I, trust me, I know of the audience to whom I speak. If uh, given the opportunity, our church would tend to lean right. I mean, I understand that. We, we are, most of us are conservative in background in some way, shape, or form. But many of us are not. And so in this political issue that we deal with, what, what Peter is saying is, We need to submit to all human authority. And some of you go, well, I I feel good under this administration to be able to do that. But the same was true with President Obama or President Clinton, where you might not have had as much in common with some of their particular values. But the same is true, that we are called to honor God and to respect the king. Why? Because it is a government that God has placed as authoritarian in our life to have authority. So how do we begin to operate with that? Colossians 3.17 helps us understand this. It says, and whatever. Say that word with me. And whatever. How much of what you do is whatever you do? All that you do is whatever you do. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We can talk about submission openly. We can understand the biblical understanding because we understand as believers in Jesus Christ, we are all and everything we do is to be subject to what God's desires are for us to do in this life. But we have something very unique in this passage today. We get to see the uniqueness of the writers of Scripture. Maybe more so than, than, than any other character within the Bible, we know more about the lifestyle of Peter as a writer, 
and Peter as a person than almost any other writer in the whole of Scripture. Because we see in the Gospels the life of Peter. We know that he is impetuous in nature. We know that he was tended to be kind of a hothead. We know that he tended to be a leader. We know that he would always be one of the first to question something. He's much like us. I believe Peter was a rebel at heart. And yet Peter, we see through the life and times of Peter, we see his unique personality come out. And as we look at this passage today, here's what I fully believe. As Peter is writing, especially this chapter 2 that we are reading and going through today, Peter is reminiscing back to situations that he walked through with Jesus Christ. Situations in which he failed. That it was Peter on the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, it was Peter that said, all others may deny you, but I will not. And he denied Jesus three different times. It was Peter that could not stay awake with Jesus in the garden and once again failed him and could not keep his eyes open as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was Peter that struggled through these things. It's this same writer that we see. So when he writes, verse 15, it is God's will, he says, that we should live honorable lives, that you should silence those who are those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. When Peter is writing that, I believe he is reminding himself of when he stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. When they had told him he needed to stop preaching. In other words, their authority as the government now came outside of God's authority. And who should Peter follow? Should he follow the government at that point? Or should he follow God? He follows God and he writes. Or it is written about him in Acts chapter 4. The members of the council were amazed. Why were they amazed? Remember what he said? You will silence those ignorant people. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. He was a fisherman. No special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You see, when Peter is telling us that we should stand before the accusations and live honorable lives in front of other people, why? Because it's when we do those things that our lives are put on stage in front of others that they may see Jesus in us just like they had brought accusations about Peter and he continued to preach the word of God. In verse 17, respect everyone and love the family of believers Fear God and respect the king. This same author who writes this, writes in Acts chapter 4, or is said of him in Acts chapter 4, do you think God wants us to obey you, he says to the Sanhedrin, rather than God? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Peter understood what it meant to honor the king and yet to honor God even more. By doing what God had called him to do. It's the same Peter who in verse 18 says, You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. You see, Peter writes about servants and those who are struggling and those who are cruel. He writes, and it's the same Peter that was the one in the garden 
who reached in for a sword and cut off the ear of a servant of the high priest. In John verse eight, chapter 18, verse 10 and 11, or verse 10 says, Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. You see, he's talking about servants. And I believe when Peter thinks of that cruelty, he remembers his own act that he did. And Jesus said, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering that the Father has given me? Peter is reminding himself and remembering what Jesus had said to him as he teaches us what it means to submit. And maybe the most poignant one is verse 21 where he says, For God has called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. And you must, and read it with me, you must what? Follow in his steps. When Peter is saying follow in his steps, he's remembering how Jesus called Peter into his service. Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. John 21, when Peter has denied Christ, he's, he's just distraught. He then sees Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And once again, Jesus is preparing them breakfast. And Peter engages the resurrected Jesus. And he says, and when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? He's refer- referencing John. And Jesus said, if it's my will that John would remain until I come, what is that to you? But you, Peter, follow me. You see, we have today, in the uniqueness of the writer of Peter, as he writes this to us, he understands what it means to struggle with this issue of submission, to struggle because he wrestled with it himself. He wrestled with Jesus himself. He wrestled against his flesh to come against it, to actually listen to what Christ and to submit to what Christ desired. So we have a few questions that I just want to answer. I want to answer this in the text today. If you're taking some notes, these would be great things for you to write down, but they come straight out of the text. And I want you to see it today. First of all, it's this question. Why should we live out submission? That's the question we ask, isn't it? It's a question our kids always ask us when we tell them to do something. They ask the question, what? Why? Why should I do this? Well, let's ask the question of the text. Why should I live out this idea of submission? The first thing we see is because it's for the Lord's sake. We do this for the Lord's sake. It's not for just your benefit. There are times at which you're submitting to authority in your life, whomever it may be, may not reap an immediate benefit for you or myself. But we still should do it. Why? Because we're doing it for God. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the Lord's sake. Why? Because he's placing us on a stage. He's saying the world is going to recognize my presence in your life. That when horrible things are happening to you, that you're standing firm in me. That even when people who are not worthy of your submission, you still submit anyway That puts me on display in your life. And they recognize it's not you that they see. It is the presence of Christ within us. And that brings us to the second reason why we should submit. We should submit as a witness to an unbelieving world. 
There is no greater situation in our life where the world will see what's going on in our heart and recognize it as Christ as when we are doing this thing that is so antithetical to everything we know as a culture, and that is to submit. When we are in submission to the king, submission to those authorities, submission to what God has in store for us, it is then that our lives are on display. Look at verse 12. Bart covered this last week. He says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, that even when they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God as he judges the world. Look also in verse 15. It is God's will that your honorable lives would silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Why do we submit? Because our lives are on display for an unbelieving world to see. This is why God calls us to this very difficult thing of submission. Who should be the recipients of these submissive attitudes of our life? First of all, we see very quickly all human authority. All human authority, they are the recipients of this idea of submission in our life. Look at Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Now keep in mind, this is Nero, who eventually puts Peter and Paul, the writer of Romans, he puts both of them to death. And yet both of these men say, submit to this emperor. Why would they do that? Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions and authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against God who has instituted it, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Okay? You don't know what that looks like? You're speeding, and a cop pulls up behind you. All right? What do you do? Even if you're not speeding and a police officer pulls up behind you, what do you do? You slow down. Why? Because even though you might not feel guilty, you automatically think you are guilty. Am I right? All right? Am I speaking to the right group this morning? So we, we automatically feel that. If you're doing what's right, why should you be in fear? But if you're doing what's wrong, he says, this is the reason why God has placed this. Do what is right. They will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent to you for good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servant. Sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them. Not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. What God has called us to is a life of submission. Why? Because all human authority is a representative of him. And so we submit to it. The second group is to the head of government and to the officials that represent them. So it's not only our president, but it's anyone that operates within his authority. It's not only our governor, but anyone who operates within their authority. As long as they are operating within and underneath God's umbrella of authority, we should submit to them. If they ever move outside of that, we do not submit to them. We submit to the higher authority of God. We walk in this way. Third, to respect everyone. God calls us to respect everyone, whether they are worthy of it or not. Why are we to respect everyone? Because every single person in this room, 
every single person who is watching this or listening to this, every one of you are made in the image of God. And because you're made in the image of God, you are worthy of honor and respect. Does that mean that we always respect each other in the same way or to the same level? And the answer is no, we do not. But we are called to respect everyone underneath God's authority. Why? Because everyone is made in the image of God. We are to not only respect, but we are to love the family of believers. There's a kinship type of love that we are to have for one another. What does that look like? Tonight at the fall festival, it will look like many of you who are working carnival games and giving kids candy, even though they don't deserve candy, right? (laughs) They've not done anything to earn or to deserve candy. Lord knows the dentists want you to give them candy so that they will continue coming to uh, to their shops, right? But the idea is this, we are to love our community. We are to show deference to one another in the body of Christ. Why? Because that is the way that we love each other and show our love for God in doing that. We fear God. The word is phobos, where we get the word phobia, but it means a love, an honor, a respect, a cherishing of who God is. We respect and honor our employers. And then we see these aspects of the home, which Bart will talk about more next week. But it's all underneath this understanding of submission. Why? Because there's an order that God has placed. And so we live within it. These are the recipients of this submissive attitude. But then the most poignant question of today is, where do we see the ultimate expression of submission? We see it in our Savior. Listen to verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. You must follow in his steps. He never sinned. We are sinful. Amen? We struggle with sin. We were sinners, and we still are sinners. We are very open with that, that we still struggle with sin. We still have a sin nature, and we still struggle, but Christ did not. He never sinned, nor did he deceive anyone. We are in the process of deceit. Anytime that we present something forward to others that is not the true reality of our lives, we are practicing deceit, but Jesus never did. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor did he threaten revenge when he suffered. Jesus could have wiped off the face of the earth all of his accusers, all of the Roman soldiers. He could have put Pilate to death. He could have taken every one of the Jewish Sanhedrin and wiped them away. But he did not do that. He submitted to the life and the role that the Father had given him. And he submitted for you and for me. Jesus did what he did. He bore our sin. And he personally carried, verse 24, our sin in his body on the cross. So that we could be dead to sin. And so that we could have the choice to live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. I go home 
often this back road down by Lakeview or by uh, the elementary school down here. And then I turn on Park and I go over to Boat Club Road. And as I do that, there's a ranch that's there and they have all these sheep and goats out in the field. And I love driving by there because my favorite role, my favorite word for what God has given me to do is shepherd. And yet I realize as I am one of the shepherds of EVC, I'm also a sheep. As Bart said in week one of this series, we're the sheeple, okay? We are the sheep who have wandered away. Each of us to our own wicked ways. I'm one of those sheep, and yet I'm called to be a shepherd of sheep. It's all about submission. It's all about acquiescing my heart and life to the role that God gives us. Peter is simply writing his recollections of Isaiah, the prophet. As Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53. And I want you, as we finish this today, I want you simply to listen to these words that Isaiah says. And I want you to see yourself in these words. I want you to see your sin as you submit or as you struggle to submit in whatever role or situation that you're going through. I want you to see yourself here. Isaiah 53 verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him as stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. We see the character of Jesus and we go, what a tragic scene as he bears our sin. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Remember the holes in his hands, in his feet. Remember the piercing of his side where what flowed? Blood covering our sins which he was bearing so that the righteousness of his life would be over our sin. All we like sheep have gone astray, verse 6. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, until you and I understand this word submit, you can't come to the Father. Why? Because you can't make it to heaven on your own. You can't do this in your own power. You and I must understand that we must first submit to the cross if we're going to live this life out before anyone. And it also means that if we choose the submission of the cross, taking it upon ourselves, we also choose to submit to the authorities that God has placed inside of our life. Because in doing so, our lives are on display for others. Would you pray with me today? Maybe you see yourself in one of these scenes that we've tried to see or paint today. Maybe you see yourself as one who's never submitted your rebellious life to Christ. You've never made that choice to give your life over to Him. You can do that today. There's nothing 
more poignant that you would do, there's nothing greater that you would do than to give your life and to submit it to Christ today. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship today. You're struggling with an employer. You're struggling with something they've asked you to do. You're struggling with whether it's in God's will or outside. Which should you do? Should you follow it? Should you not? Maybe you're struggling with the society of the culture that we see today. The friction in politics, the friction on the news, the friction in our community. Submit to God. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of your word and the weightiness of this word submit. And we pray today, Father, that you would be glorified in our submission to you. Father, if there's one person today who doesn't have a relationship with you, may they lay down their own pride. May they grasp onto you, the author and savior of our souls. Lord, it's in Jesus.